Are you new to the indie publishing world? Do you want to know if self-publishing is right for you? You've come to the right place, where you'll find tips, tricks, and the answers to the questions you've always had about writing, marketing, and self-publishing. Welcome to the Hot Mess Writer's Life. Help for the indie author with me, Lynn Howard. Good morning, y'all. Welcome back to A Hot Mess Writer's Life. And today, we're going to do Ask the Editor with my beloved editor, Genevieve Scholl. Good morning, Genevieve. Hello. So I have a list of questions for you that I found that people want to know on the web. Are you up for a few? Sure. Yeah? Okay. See, she thinks she has a choice. It's funny. I don't even know why I ask because she's going to do it either way. <laughs> oh, I also have a couple of tips that I'm going to provide. So that, that works for me. Let me see if I can increase the screen because uh, I'm getting older and I don't know how to make the screen bigger. Let me see if I can make the font bigger so I can. There we go. Okay. So the first question, everyone needs a break. So what do you read on your downtime? Me? What do I read on my downtime? Interesting. Uh, well, just because, you know, you, you're forced to read as part of your job. So what do you read for enjoyment? Do you read nonfiction, fiction? Is there a certain genre? Um, not really. I pretty much read everything aside from sci-fi. I mean, I don't tend to go towards nonfiction unless it's like somebody that I've I'm interested in like Michael J. Fox has a autobiography. I've read both of those. So, um, but I tend to stay away from nonfiction. Um, but more often than not, it's just whatever I'm not editing. So if I'm editing like a YA mystery, I stay away from that. That makes sense. And in case anyone's wondering, the reason she read the biographies about Ma Michael J. Fox is because why? Because he's my that celebrity crush. Yeah. She's a crush, which is so cute because like I had a crush on him when I was a kid because like that's my age group, but it's so cute. I love that. Yeah, but come on. He's adorable no matter what age he is. He's adorable. I love him. <laughs> I love him. Okay. This one is actually something that I have wondered and I think I've asked you. Okay. How do you sustain interest in even the most mundane aspects of editing, proofreading, fact checking, source checking, et cetera? How do you maintain that interest? It can get difficult, especially if it's like a first time author that doesn't really know what they're doing. And it, so my editing, um, for anybody that doesn't know, there's different types of editing. There's developmental, proofreading, copy editing, line editing. Um, but my services are everything. It's all kinds of editings for one price, um, unless somebody, you know, requests it differently. But um so, I mean, developmentally, yeah, I can get to be a bit much, especially if I have to uh, kind of, I don't want to say train, but, you know, advise the author how to make it better. Um, but for me, honestly, it's just the concept of taking a story and making it better and helping the author grow is the exciting part. So I really don't usually get bored. Sometimes I get overworked, of course, but that's my own problem. <laughs> so what happens when you read the books that are not your cup of tea? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't remember you saying that you read erotica, but let's say you have an erotica fiction that you need to edit. How do you maintain your attention span on something like that, that you're not interested in? 
I actually do read erotica. I have no problem with erotica. The only <laughs> the only thing that I do not edit is Christian fiction, and that's because I'm not Christian and I don't feel that I can give it the attention that it deserves, especially if there's like a lot of Bible verses or anything in there, because um, I don't know any of that stuff. So I don't I don't edit that unless it's for, you know, a family or member or something. But um, I, I try to stay away from it because it's it's not fair to the writer to have an editor that doesn't know what they're editing, you know? Um, uh, sorry, I forgot the question. <laughs> no, that actually, that makes sense. That completely makes sense. Because like you said, you don't know Bible verses. How do you know if they're, other, unless you want to go and buy a Bible and start flipping through the the passages to try to find, oh, wait, he quoted this incorrectly. Which I do not. <laughs> yeah. And the, but then you've got, you know, different versions of the Bible. So depending yeah. on what I, church you're in. I'm in no way a Christian. So <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Next one. What social media platforms do you think work well for increasing the reach of your author's content? Whatever ones they want to be on, honestly. There's no science to it. There's no one social media that is 100% foolproof. Um, there's Facebook, there's YouTube, there's TikTok, which I know nothing about. So I don't know why I mentioned it, but um, there's Instagram. <laughs> Other than what I send you. <laughs> uh, it's honestly, there is no science to it. Um, I, I do notice that Facebook and Instagram are kind of slowing down. People aren't getting as much engagement, um, which I'm sure everybody has noticed, but it's honestly whatever you want to be on and you don't need to be on all of them. I've seen a thing where it's it's age groups now. You know, the younger people are on TikTok. Um, I don't I don't even know how many there are now. I know for a while there was like MeWe and all this stuff that they were trying to get going, but yeah, you know, Off there's brand there's Facebook. Yeah, well, and then there's just like like we say the big six or the big five with publishers. You know, there's the big platforms: Facebook, Twitter, uh, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, yeah, see, Pinterest. I didn't, I those didn't are the even, ones we all know about. I didn't even think of Twitter because I'm not on Twitter. I don't do anything with Twitter. And I honestly don't understand the point of Twitter, but. <laughs> I am on Twitter, but it is so inactive. I just, I tried it. You know, um, my husband loves Twitter. He loves Twitter. I, I'm an author and saying things in 140 words or less, you're going to get a GIF. You're going to get a meme. Like I, not that my Facebook pages are rambling or anything like that, but I just, I don't know. I, I guess, I think maybe it's personality types more than ages, really, mm, because you see people- yeah, you see people that have like these great huge followings on Twitter and a lot of interaction, but then you see um, I have a lot of fun on TikTok. Now I don't care if people you know interact with me or not, but I have a lot of fun on TikTok. I love book talk. I love funny posts. <laughs> my favorite are like the animals, but I do like my thirst traps for you know we call it book research. Even my husband knows that's book research when I watch the hot guys. But like you said, I don't think there's one specific that's going to work for you. I think you I, really need to research where your group is. I think if I had to answer that question, um, it probably would be a website. Granted, it's not really social media, but um, I would say a website is probably the essential thing to have. Not necessarily, you know, even to interact with readers, but just to keep them up to date on what's going on and everything. Or at least a newsletter. Yeah. I do and not have a newsletter for my work or for my writing, but that's because I don't have anything to say. <laughs> I do. And I'm, I, I was, re, I was doing it once a week and then I'm like, I have nothing to say. So now it's, it's a little bit less just when I have something 
to tell my subscribers. But advice from a seasoned author and an editor, do not name your website off of one book or one book series. Because if you plan on making this career your career, no one's going to go look for that. Make it your name or as close it's to your not, name as possible. It's also not unique enough um, because no, no. series names and things cannot be copyrighted. So somebody exactly. else could have the same thing. Yeah, You remember Cocky Gate, don't you? Oh, God, let's not talk about that. <laughs> okay, so the next question. This is a hot topic debate type thing. Do you think that there is one way that's better than the other going wide with your books or going exclusive? Because I've heard romance does great exclusive, but then you hear things like sci-fi and fantasy are better going wide. Do you think that there's one better than the other? I don't think so. I think it depends on the author and the book. And it, I mean, I've seen success stories for both. I've seen failure stories for both. So it's, it's honestly, I wouldn't say there's any one foolproof way. And I mean, if you go into Kindle Unlimited, you can get out in 90 days. So if it doesn't work, you know, you can always change. Um, I would say personally, if it's your debut book, you might want to do a wide and then switch to Kindle Unlimited later down the line if you find that the wide distribution is not worth it. Because it's your debut book. You want to get your name out there as much as possible. And not everybody, believe it or not, gets their books on Amazon. So, And give it a lot of time. Don't say, oh, no, in a month it didn't work. Yeah, I'm give, it, pull give, it. It, give it the 90 days. That's for sure. Minimum. Yeah. Minimum. Because yeah. a lot of people, you know, they, they go exclusive and they're like, well, I'm going to try wide and they give it a month, two months, three months. And they're like, well, it didn't work. And they pull it. It can take a time because at this point you've been focusing so much on Amazon. Now you have all these other platforms that you have to focus on. You yeah. got to give it time. Got to give it time. Uh, is there a style guide you prefer? No. Um, Honestly, I, I do not use a style guide. A lot of people, um, when they are searching for editors, I've noticed will say that they want a certain style guide used, but I don't use one. I just use what I know is to be correct. Um, obviously, and a lot of people don't know this, but obviously if you get your notes back from your editor and you don't agree, you don't have to keep them. The editor is not your boss. They're just telling you what they know to be true, what is standard most of the time in books, what can improve your book. If they use the Oxford comma, but you don't want to use the Oxford comma, and we won't get into debate over that. Genevieve <laughs> <laughs> um, and I differ on that one. <laughs> we do? <laughs> yes, you're always fixing my commas. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm not an Oxford comma girl. <laughs> but do you keep them in or do you take them out and don't tell me? I keep them in. Okay, well, see, there you I go. I trust you. But if you 100% are against the Oxford comma, you don't have to keep it, even if your editor puts it in there. Now, I've gotten to the point where I ask the client when I'm um, learning about their book, when they're signing up with me, whether they use the Oxford comma or not, and then adjust my editing for that purpose. But if I accidentally sneak in an Oxford comma in there and they don't want it, they can take it out. That's not a problem. I'm not their boss. I am just the nag. Wait, what? Wait, what? <laughs> What? I'm your boss. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> you don't have a choice. I'm your boss. But on top of on top of Genevieve's editing plate, which is full, she's also my my assistant because there's a reason I'm called the hot mess author, y'all. <laughs> she literally 
handles my schedule for me and she's on me all the time because all it takes is for something sparkly to fly past my face and all of a sudden I'm lost. So she keeps me on track and she handles my schedule and she reminds me. I actually forgot about an appointment yesterday because I didn't tell her about it. And I almost missed the appointment. Luckily, the girl confirmed, but I didn't tell Jen. So she didn't remind me that I had an appointment yesterday that I almost missed. I will say more often than not with my return clients, yes, they do consider me their boss. But if it's somebody I've never worked with before, you know, we have to find our groove. So I like you being my boss because okay. I'm, I am that I ran track in uh ninth grade, freshman year. And the female coach, she was so sweet. She's a really nice lady and everything. But the male coach, he would go back and forth across the, the track screaming, move your feet, Howard, move your feet. And I loved that. That pushed me. Okay, I'm going, you know. And then he wouldn't be there. And she would try to just, come on, come on, Lynn, go. And I'm like, eh, it's not the same. I need that push. I need that boss. Yeah, well, I can definitely be the push. I'm very pushy. <laughs> but you guys, you can let her know if you're not. that. That's who I am as an author. She can meld around you. So just oh, yeah. FYI. Yeah, I'm not, not. I don't want people to think that they're going to sign up for uh, editing and I'm going to be a bitch. I mean, I it, more often than not, when it's new clients, we are both learning. We're learning to work with each other. So, I mean, I'm not like you know, a drill sergeant or anything right out the gate. I'm just there to help you improve your book. Yeah. I just, we've built this relationship over several years and I know what I need and you give me what I need. So, but she also, she also forces me to rest a lot too. Yep. And I am, I have absolutely no problem giving out editor homework. Uh, It's not even just for you. I have clients that will, they'll be like, stuck in their story or, you know, not sure where to take their story. And I'll tell them, well, sit down. I want 500 words in an hour. And I want, you know, an emotion to come into play, something like that, just to get the ball rolling for them. That's kind of like a writing prompt. It works too. Yeah, it really does. And those, um, those clients who consider me their boss, listen, because <laughs> they think yeah. they're going to get in trouble if they don't do it. <laughs> Well, I, I see. And, and to me, again, it's 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 like having a personal trainer. You know, you go to the gym and you you do this, you do that. But if you have a personal trainer, no, go, one more set, one more set, because they're pushing you past what you think you can do when they realize you've got more in you. Yeah. Well, and another thing that I want to mention is a lot of editors, once they edit your book, the relationship is over. That's not true with me. You could not come out with another book for five years and you contact me and say, I I have another book done. I need it edited. I know we haven't talked in a while, but could you possibly be my editor again? As long as we have a good relationship and nothing went wrong the first time, of course, I'm going to edit your book. And on that same note, Genevieve will back me up. You don't have to use the same editor, the same cop, uh, cover artist every single time because if you have different styles, Genevieve knows my style. That's why I stick with her. She knows my voice. She could probably write my books at this point. Like she could be my ghostwriter at this point. I don't point. know about that, but <laughs> <laughs> I just. But you know my voice. You know, you know, like this new book, girl. You tore that book apart, and I love it. I love it. I, I was so worried about it because it's so outside of what I normally do. So I love that you, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. But 
yeah, it's, you don't have to stick with the same editor. You don't have to stick with the same cover artist, you know, each thing. But if you develop a relationship like Jen and I have, it, it's, it's effortless. It's effortless. Yeah. You don't have to stick with the same editor, but if you can, that's probably the best option because, uh, they, like you say, they learn your voice, they learn mm-hmm. your style of writing and to move on to another editor, it's a whole new learning curve again. And you may not find that it's the same relationship. You may not find it that it is as easy to work with one as it was with the other. Yeah. And well, I've noticed with you too, when I mess up a sentence, you seem to know what I meant to say and you fix it. Yeah. Well, uh, for the most part, yeah. I mean, because we've been working together for a long time. I have had sometimes, I I always say that being an editor, you have to kind of sort of be a little bit of a mind reader because I have had some clients that were new to me and I had to (laughs) basically try to figure out what they were trying to say and hope it was correct. And like, you have to kind of try to like get into the mind, not only of the writer, but of the characters too, to try to translate sometimes what right. is supposed to be being said. Yeah, that's, and it's because we all have our, our things to our crutches and, and our habits and you catch them every time. Mm. Oh, here's a, here's one tip that I didn't write on my list. Crutch words. Those are things like, you know, saying so, or I can't you know, think off the top of my head, but if you have words that you repeat over and over and over again, the easiest way to stop that from happening is to research and study. And yes, this is homework, a thesaurus. So find out what your crutch words are, get on the internet or open a, an actual physical thesaurus and find other words for that word. and you know, look through the list every now and then study, train your brain to use alternative words. Mine was just for the longest time. Just it was (laughs) just. All right. Next question. What's your approach to giving constructive feedback to your author? Well, that depends on the author. (laughs) With you and other returning clients that know that I mean the best for them more often than not, it is being a bitch. <laughs> she being- was so concerned. I got my edits back last night. And she's texting me. And she's like, wait, you're not mad? No, I'm not mad. That's she, you, you develop a routine in a, in a relationship with your editor. And she knows I have the thickest skin. I don't get offended easily. I want that criticism because I can't make it perfect if I don't know there's something wrong. So since I'm writing something new to me, Genevieve tore that thing apart. If she had been using a red pen, it would look like my paper was was bleeding. But because of that, it's going to make it tighter. It's going to make it, because I remember laying in bed thinking, you know what, I should have done this and I should have done that. And I got your notes back. I'm like, yep. And she thought so too. Yeah. And then my philosophy is if I'm a bitch, hopefully the reviewers will not be. So I would never say you've ever been a bitch. So I don't want anybody thinking that if you hire Genevieve that you're she's going to be cussing you out or anything. <laughs> <laughs> but I am the kind of author that needs extremely honest feedback. Now, if you have not developed the thick skin that I've talked about before in, in my YouTube videos, 
let Genevieve know that you're a sensitive person so that when she gives you your feedback and you're going to get feedback and you want it from your editor, you don't want it from readers, she can use kid gloves, but I'm I'm telling you, author to author, y'all don't want kid gloves. Well, the thing is, if I'm not being completely honest in telling the authors these things, then I'm not doing my job. If I am not telling you that, you know, there's a portion of your book that's missing or there needs to be a transition because your pacing is too fast or you, you need to add a different character or even if it comes to a point, which I've had this happen, not with, you know, returning clients, but with a first time author, I've had to tell them, I cannot edit this until you rewrite it because it's just not there yet. It's just not good enough to be in the editing stage. And that's because that's my job. That's part of developmental editing. So I was hoping to get a new book out this month and I've been pushing, pushing, pushing to finish it. And I stupidly did my edits while I had a really bad cold and was on cold medicine because Genevieve has pointed out quite a bit I would say quite a few mistakes that I need, not mistakes per se. What would you call it? Styling issues, pacing issues. I don't know what I would call that. I'd say it was more like developmental problems. Yeah. Um, Well, because she's pointed these out now, I'm going to have to take some more time doing some revisions, some rewrites. And normally at that point, after I've done my self edits again with after her edits, I would send it to the betas. But because there have been so many problems, now it's going to have to go back to her again. So you want your editor to tell you there's problems because I promise you, if she doesn't, the readers will buy one star and two star reviews. Can you hear that? No. What is it? (laughs) Mischief's purring. I can hear it in my headphones. (laughs) I might hear it in the playback, but that's okay. We all have animals. (laughs) No, 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 no. You can't climb in with the microphone. No. Oh, he wants to play too. Mm, It's because it's a tote and he likes to get inside all of those all the time. No, mischief. You're gonna Did you want to add, add anything else out about the constructive or did, were you good on that? Oh, I was going to say, um, for example, one of the things that I mentioned with your book was that I felt there was a scene missing with the main character. So, and it wasn't like, it didn't ruin the story to not have that scene, but I felt like it added something to not only the world building, but the character building as well. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and I 100% agree too. Yeah, so many of the things that I thought about, like, oh, I should have done this, you actually made notes about. So, yeah. So we're on the same page. We're on the same page. And a good editor, and again, you don't have to accept the notes. You don't have to accept the edits, but you want, because your editor is also a reader as well. Yes. You know, editors don't go into editing because they hate to read or they hate books. They know what sells. Well, then that's the thing. I always treat it as this is the feeling that I'm getting as I'm reading it. So chances are, this is the feeling readers are going to get, you know? Right. Right. And that's, again, I have, um, I have two completely different type of beta readers. I have one. I loved it. Well, what about this? What about, no, loved it. I have another one. The first time she did it, she sent me detailed notes. Please don't be mad at me. I'm like, um, you're my new favorite because those notes make my story tighter. They make it, more perfect because I only want to send out the best to my readers. So you have to, 
at least take it into consideration. And if you don't, it's not your editor's fault if that book doesn't sell. I'm just going to say here and now, if anybody can hear jingling bells or purring, it's because I can't do anything without a cat. I'm having the same issue. My dogs <laughs> and my cat are, are currently, but see, that's why we call this the Hot Mess Writers channel because, yeah. Yeah, well, this and is he, a hot mess writer's life. He's considered my assistant because more often than not, and you know this, <laughs> and, but more often than not, you're going to get your file back with some random numbers in it. <laughs> you get, you've been getting that from me because of my one-eyed cat. His bed is on my desk. <laughs> yep, mischief just wants to help. So yeah, people, this is real life. We all have pets and kids, and we all have neighbors, and we have something that's going to cause noise in the background. <laughs> So this one is something that you and I deal with on a, on a regular basis. How do you motivate your authors in the face of tight deadlines? Well, first of all, don't make tight deadlines. But secondly, um, usually, I so, okay, this is hard to explain. Lots of editors, when you, um, when they send you your edits back, they say, I need it back by so-and-so date. I don't do that. I don't put that pressure on my clients. It would be nice if they could get it back to me within a couple of weeks, but if they can't, they can't. So what I usually do is when they sign up for editing, they give me the word count and I tell them based on that word count, it's going to take this much time from the start date. So we set up a start date, say May 1st. And if it's 50,000 words, it takes two weeks. If it's over 50,000 words, it takes three weeks, you know, stuff like that. So that they know kind of when they're going to get it back from me. Now, I offer several rounds of edits, but not everybody needs that. So it's really a, a based on the, on the client, how to keep them on a deadline. My thing is I'm always available. I'm always going to, I mean, obviously if you message me at one o'clock in the morning, I'm not going to answer, but I'm always going to be there if you have a question or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. I often have clients email or message me and say, this is probably a stupid question, but no, it's not a stupid question. If it's your question, if it's something you're wondering, then it's not stupid. Ask me. Even if it's the simplest of things. Like like capitalizing king and queen. Yeah. <laughs> was it like 10 o'clock at night? I sent you that text. I was half asleep. <laughs> yeah, I think it was actually. <laughs> well, 10 o'clock my time is 11 o'clock your time. <laughs> if, it's a, if I have somebody that I've been working with for years like you, they're allowed to have my phone number and text me whenever they need to because I need to be available for them. You know, and we, we've also become best friends, though. Well, yes, but, you know, other clients have my, my number too, so that they can text me if they need an immediate answer, because otherwise I have people email me. And if I'm not in quote unquote working hours, I'm not going to answer that email. But if it's a text and they say, I know, you know, it's out of hours, but this is something I need an answer to quickly, then I'll, I can do it that way. With the deadlines, Genevieve will back me up, make those deadlines in pencil. So you can change them. Yes. Because like I said earlier, <laughs> I had planned a release date for this month. Now we had set a release or not a release date, but we had set a date for when she wanted the book and it actually came earlier. But now that kind of worked out because I do need some revision. So the date that we set to come to her might actually be the new date for, <laughs> yeah, for when I get it back to you. Technically, you weren't supposed to get me the first file until the 12th and it's only the 7th. So yeah, which it, it might not come to you on the 12th. I'm going to be working hard, but 
but make your deadlines and pencil and don't set unrealistic goals. You know, I'm going to write a book in three weeks. You might. I have in the past, but that doesn't mean it's ready to release in three weeks. No, that doesn't mean that's going to happen that way with each book either. Exactly. I've had books have taken me months. I've had books have taken me, well, I can't remember which one it was. That took me like two weeks. Um, and then read. Reed's Girl took me three tries. I had to restart that book three times to get him going. Luke's uh, Redemption took me forever to finish it. But if you need to be motivated, she will. Hey, how's that going? Oh yeah, I, I want I want the first draft by this. I, you know, so yeah, work yeah. with your editor. Genevieve's my favorite. I will never stray. She well, will forever be my editor. That's why I when clients sign up, I I give them a start date. So if they sign up for editing and like say they want to start in July, they can do that. They can sign up, sign the contract, pay the deposit, and then they have their spot in July. If it comes earlier and I have a free space, they can send it earlier. If they need extra time, all they have to do is let me know. Yeah, that just happened out. Yeah, that extra space for me when I sent it early. Yeah. I like I like when you have extra space for me. <laughs> I don't because that means cancellations. But <laughs> all right, here's a here's one for you. What would you do if one of your authors made a very public error or created a PR crisis? How would you handle it, or would you handle it? Well, if I was their assistant, yes. If it had to do with editing, it would depend. If it was an actual glaring editing error, then they can always come back to me for a, a you know a redo of the edit because they've already paid for it, so they can have another round. As long as the uh, manuscript doesn't change a lot, like they are deleting half of it and rewriting that, then that you know you're going to have to pay again because that's a completely different edit. But if they ever find anything after publication and they need me to go through it again, that's fine. Um, I'm not sure. I've never had it happen where anybody has had any public, you know, error or anything like that. So I'm not sure what would happen, but if it was something I could help them with, I probably would. So would you continue working with an author who, I don't want to say is controversial, but maybe someone who's spouting hate or ignorance or anything like that in public? It would depend on the hate and stuff that was, I mean, if it's hate, then no, but if it is, you know, an opinion about something and people are basically saying that, you know, bad things about them or anything, it would depend on what they're saying exactly. If it's hate, violence, um, any of that kind of stuff, no, you know, I would, I would break off the relationship. They would be blacklisted. Yeah. There's always, you always see these authors behaving madly and I'm not going to mention any names or anything because that's not what I do, I do on here. But there was uh, recently a story about, and she had already been controversial to begin with because she was calling out reviewers for giving her four stars, telling them to grow up because they didn't give her five stars. Well, apparently she had um, given an opinion like was was defending one of her, her her fellow authors, a friend, and they rescinded uh, an award that she re- received. Mm, I didn't. I don't. I don't know the details because I heard the news through another podcast. Um, so I don't know if she was like cussing or you know using hate filled speech or anything like that. But yeah, I, I, I'm the same way. If I'm if I'm working with someone and and they're just spouting hate, we're done. 
We're yeah, done. Definitely. I and had I, friends. <clears throat> I have blacklisted some people before because of certain things. Like it's never really been hugely publicized or anything, but just things like me, I might see on their Facebook or something that I cannot condone. Yeah. I've had friends on Facebook forever that I've deleted and I don't care what, where you stand on politics or anything like that. But if you start being hateful, I don't need that in my life. I don't, I don't, you know, who you vote for is who you vote for, who you love is who you love. But if you're going to be hateful, I, I don't, I don't need to see it and I delete it. So I would imagine working with someone like that would probably be very difficult. Yeah. Any kind of hate speech or um, violence towards people or animals or, you know, any anything like that. It, and I'm not going to have a relationship with you because my name gets attached to these books as well, because in the uh, copyright page, it shows me as the editor. Right. And if you're doing things that I don't I cannot condone, I can't have my name attached to that. It now probably, you see producers and directors dropping people all the time for the same things. Yeah. It probably hurts my business, but it doesn't hurt me as a human being. So it's worth no, it. No, you know, I would rather lose money than be attached to anything hate hateful. Yeah, exactly. You know, and then my last question, and then I do want to ask you something else after this one. How would you describe the voice of your brand? I don't know if your, I have much of a voice um you know what i'm gonna go ahead and describe it okay (laughs) genevieve is who you need her to be genevieve can be soft and gentle if you need that kind of nudge or like i do i need the drill sergeant i need that muse over my shoulder pointing the gun at me with a cigar hanging out of their mouth i think your brand what's the word i'm looking for is um all-encompassing maybe would be a good word or flexible, flexible, because I've noticed when I'm, I'm having a hard time, you know, like say, cause you know, because we're best friends, Genevieve knows my personal life as well. When I'm having a hard time, you've told me step away, go do something else. Even yep. though I'm on a deadline, <clears throat> you've told me step away, do something else. But then on the days where I'm like, oh, I just don't want to write. You're like, nope, 2000 words. And then what happens is I end up doing 5000 words. Yeah. Editor homework is a fantastic thing. <laughs> yeah, I would say all encompassing and flexible would, would be the voice of your brand. Oh, if I-, I was if I was branding you myself. I can see that. I can see that. And I'm flattered. Now, what I want to know is, do you have any specific tips for authors, either your current authors or any who might hire you? Yeah, um, I actually prepared a couple. I was going to try to do five, but I've only got three because my brain just wasn't working when I was trying to do this 11 o'clock last night. Um, So I did some of the obvious things. So we got I versus me. A lot of people don't know when to use I and when to use me. So this is a trick that I keep telling people, but nobody seems to listen. If you have a sentence, for example, if anyone was going to save the day, it was James and me. Me is correct in that sentence because if you remove the second subject, which is James, the sentence would be, if anyone was going to save the day, it was me. If you said, if anyone was going to save the day, it was I, that sounds stupid. So you know what's wrong. Which, you know, what's funny is we learn this in elementary school. And then as you grow up, it just poop out, out of your head. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and more often than not, people just use I because they think that's correct. It's right. not always correct. There are times when you can use me and still be grammatically correct. <clears throat> the second one is, and I did a video on this, but I'm going to say it on here too. Um, description versus depiction. The best way for you to, and this is basically another way of saying show versus tell. And the best way to do this is to use six senses, not just five, but six. Use all the five, um, you know, taste, smell, hearing, feel, and oh my God, I can't think. Sight, taste, smell. Okay. Sight, taste, smell, hearing, and touch. Use those, but also use emotion. That to me should be considered a sixth sense. Use emotion to show what's happening in your story rather than telling it. Don't just say, I did this, or she did that, or, you know, something. Use an emotion like, oh, I can't think of an example off the top of my head. My heart raced as he drew near, his eyes dipping to her lips. Butterflies took flight in her stomach. For, right there. You don't need to say she was excited because he's getting ready to kiss her. Yeah, exactly. And then that is showing versus telling as well. But you can also use um, like the best way I can say this is use the outer senses, but also use the inner senses. So tell us if, like you said, um, butterflies in her stomach. Tell us if uh, panic is rising in their in their mind or you know it it's hard to come up with an example off the top of the head but <laughs> we should i guess we should have pulled some some segments out of some books to describe this you know the the feeling adrenaline coursing through their system or obviously it's the fight or flight's kicking in yeah but okay so here's here's an example based on what you just said don't just say adrenaline Describe what's happening. Describe, you know, the the vibrating of the body. Describe the nauseousness in the stomach. Describe all that rather than just saying adrenaline, you know? People don't, not everybody knows what adrenaline feels like. So describe that. Have you ever noticed how well I describe anxiety in my books? <laughs> I wonder why. Yeah, and see, there are books that people just say, She's having an anxiety attack and they leave it at that. That's that's not always enough. No. And that's the thing is my mom and I both suffer panic attacks, but we suffer from two different types. Whereas I feel full-blown dread. I get disoriented. I start sweating. You know, like I feel like I'm drowning. My mom actually has chest pains and short of breath. Like they thought she was having a heart attack the first time. So if you, like you said, if you, you know, describe the icy feeling through her veins as she began to tremble, her breath grew short as her vision, you know, narrowed to a pinpoint. That's, that's panic attack. Yeah. That's anxiety. If you say, oh, she's freaking out. Well, okay. And? And then, and sometimes you can say that you don't always have to describe it, but if you always just tell us, it tends to get a little monotonous. For example, I had one I edited recently where they said she felt like, I think it was actually in first person, but it basically said she felt like something bad was going to happen. And I put in the comments, I said, why does she feel this? What does she feel? You know, it don't just tell us she thinks something bad is going to happen. Tell us why. Describe why, like, she feels, you know, an ominous feeling. 
I got to tell you, I read a book one time and I, I didn't read the second one and you'll understand why. When she got her minor precognitive uh, feelings, she got this butt puckering feeling. What? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I would have I would have highlighted that and said, um, yeah, just try to think of something else. <laughs> oh my god. Like well she, this the same book also said that she creamed her panties. And I'm like, nope, 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 nope. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> that's bad. Um, if you okay. use cream or moist, I can't read it. <laughs> <laughs> and my last tip is the whole dreaded there versus there versus there. So oh, girl. Hmm. T-H-E-R-E means a location, right? I'm going right. to quiz you. Okay. Yes. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to make sure you know this. <laughs> I, I know this. <laughs> <laughs> the best way to remember if you are having a hard time with these things, the best way to remember that T-H-E-R-E is a location is to realize that it has the word here in it. H-E-R-E, which is a location. Right. So that's the best way for that one. T-H-E-I-R is possession. The best way to realize that is the word, in fact, that it has the word heir in it, as in the heir of the throne. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, unfortunately, there's not really any tip or trick I can give you for T-H-E-Y apostrophe R-E. Um, it's just the last one because <laughs> there's not really any kind of trick for that one. That's just a contraction. They are. Yeah. yeah, and, and that seems to be the one that people always have a problem with. So I'm trying to figure out a way that would be a trick, but just so far I haven't come up with anything. But uh, you see, and the fact that you were surprised about um, T-H-E-I-R a That's lot of, cool. A lot of people are surprised by that trick. That's a cool. You know, uh, Stephanie Meyer released um, Midnight Sun, the unedited, because somebody else released it. She's like, fine, and put it out. I think she ended up finishing the book, but I noticed until she would write T I L L in her first draft. You know, we all have our things. You know, some people may not be the best writers, but they're great storytellers. And that's where the editor comes in. So even after you've done your self edits, you may not catch it. Your editor catches the weird. Well, and here's the thing. Things like till or ain't or, you know, those kinds of things are fine if it's dialogue. Because if that's how your character talks, that's how your character talks. And some of my characters say ain't. Yeah. And that's perfectly fine. And y'all. Yeah. Because, yeah, most of yeah. my books are set where I live. And guess what? We're country. <laughs> Those were the three tips I had. So a lot of times, you know, as you get to, to working with your editor a lot, we all develop these weird habits. Um, and because I've been working with Jen so long and I see him when she and I'm like, I thought I caught them all. So I write in third person. I write third person past. That's how I write. A lot of times I'll write might be instead of must have been, you know, things like that or should be instead of should have been. We, these crutches are things that Jen catches for me because she knows my style. Do you have any tips on how we can train ourselves to break these crutches? Well, I mean, sometimes you can't. Sometimes it's just 
ingrained in your brain to do it one way. And that's what an editor is for. But if you actually pay attention to your editor's notes and maybe even make a list of things, excuse me, um, of what keeps coming up, then you can reference that list. And before you send it to your editor, when you're doing your own revisions and say, did I do this? Is this something I have to check for? Um, it's, it's really just a matter of repetition, honestly. Um, but again, that's what your editor is for and they're going to know to look for that stuff if it's something you continually do. And when it comes to the should have been stuff, you're not the only one who does that. A lot of authors do it and they don't realize, and it's understandable, but they don't realize that if you're writing in past tense saying, um, like, let me think of a sentence, uh, like she, saying, she should be scared and it's she should have been scared. Yeah, there you go. Because that have been is past tense. Now, there's some exceptions. I couldn't tell you off the top of my head what they are. There are some times when be works. But more often than that, it should be should have been or had been or, you know, something like that. It needs to be past tense if you're writing in past tense. Yeah, I've gotten better about my just saying just that's gotten um, I had a beta reader before I actually I sent it to you and the beta readers at the, at the time. I no longer do it that way. But she pointed out there were like eight contractions in the first paragraph. Holy crap. Well, I fixed it and I got your notes and it was the same thing. Like there was too many contractions in like the first and they're small paragraphs or, you know, they're not rambling long paragraphs but we all get these crutches and like jen said after a while after you've written a few books make maybe make a list of your your crutches i say so a lot when i'm talking on my youtube videos i cut a lot of those out i say them a lot on my podcast but i say them a lot in real life so 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 if you have crutches in real life um my daddy used to point out i said you know what i mean a lot and so he'd go no i don't know what you mean it's just like in real life when you have those thing anyways. I say anyways with an <laughs> yeah. S. Yeah. I, I write it correctly, but I don't say it correctly. Uh, yeah, that's that's when I have to change a lot too. But um, anyways, and again, yeah. if it's in dialogue, it's fine. If it's not, that's another story. Um, if, they, if that's how they speak. One thing that I do, I will point out since it came up to me while we were talking is um, making dialogue – Dialogue, I think, is very tricky for some authors because they want to write the dialogue as would be said by them. And sometimes that's fine. But there are some times where you have to kind of spruce up your dialogue. Like you can't just have somebody be having a conversation and have one person talking all the time and the other person just saying yes or "Uh uh-huh or I don't know. Or you have to make it engaging enough for the reader to continue to read that dialogue. So you write it like you would say it, but spruce it up. Well, and characters have their own personality. So if you're writing in the same personality, I don't know who's talking. You know, like just now when I said talking, T-A-L-K-I-N apostrophe, maybe one of your characters cusses a lot and the other one is proper, Marisol and and, uh, uh, Mason. You know, Marisol didn't cuss at all. You know, whereas my boys, you know, they drop the F-bomb left and right. You got to have the character's voices. Like you said, if you if you just have one person in your voice talking all the time, it's the same book over and over. Yeah. I, and- I, ha- I had a favorite author that I read like 80 of her books 
but it got to be where every character had the same personality. They were telling the same jokes. And I'm like, okay, so is this just the same character with a different name? So basically it was the author putting themselves in there instead of right. Well, another, and I'm not saying names for a reason. Another favorite author I read up until like the eighth book, it was urban fantasy. And I love, I love urban fantasy. And all of a sudden it turned to erotica because this person, this author's life changed. And all of a sudden the character became her. So they they didn't bother going back and revising the first half of the book. They didn't, they did not, like as the books went on is what I'm saying. This is a long series and it's mm. a very popular author, but it went from one style to another. So like it was no longer urban fantasy that we no longer had the plot. It was all sex. I, I like erotica too, but I was reading those books for the urban fantasy. You, If you want to build the character after yourself, that's fine, but you can't build every character after you because no, and- then- it shouldn't it's a memoir. be, yeah, and your characters shouldn't be completely you. They should have their own personalities and their own struggles. And if you want to put some of you in them, you can. More often than not, you do without realizing it anyway. Right. Um, but they shouldn't, it shouldn't just be you being into a story. Like, have your characters become real people. Don't just create a story and stick yourself in it. I've told people so many times when I, when I'm, you know, coaching, you know, other authors, I do not charge to coach and I do not coach full time. If you hear this, please don't try to get me to coach you, but I do help people because I like to help know your characters as though they were real people, know their favorite color, know what their favorite subject was in school, know what their favorite cars are. None of that may ever be in the book. But if you know your characters as though they were your neighbor, as though they were your friend, you will be able to write them like a true character instead of a carbon copy after a carbon copy after a carbon copy. Yeah. And sometimes definitely don't put that stuff in the book because we don't need to know every time. We don't need to know. Right. I mean, if it's important to the story or, you know, moves the story along, fine, include it. But right. you're just including it. Like lots of times there will be scenes that I'm editing where they will just stick a scene in where the character gets dressed or talks about what their room looks like. And it's like, does this is this really necessary? Does this drive the story forward? And more often than not, it doesn't. There was one, she took the notes apparently of the, um, the reviewers. I kept reading the books because I loved them, but she always named like the brands of the shoes and the clothes. And honestly, I'm not a brand person. So I didn't understand that it was integral. Like what, what, what do I care about Jimmy Choo? I think that's a shoe. I don't know. Yes, Um, it is. Um, But I will say you have to be very careful with brands. And my advice is to find a way not to include brands. Yeah. Unless Um, it's something like, um, I have a series, which I I abandoned. Someday I'll go back. She always wore stiletto heels. She always, I never said brands, but she always wore heels. Always. Yeah. Um, You remember Piper in Luke's Redemption, she was very meticulous and organized and her house was very, very girly and feminine. That's who she was. And I wanted them to know that's who she was. Well, and like even things like saying like Walmart that just avoid it. I mean, think about a TV show you watch. The only time you see name brands is if they're a sponsor. Right. Because- the people that made the TV show could get in trouble otherwise. So right. think of your book the same way. 
yeah, right. they're out there. You know, everybody goes to Walmart and everybody wears, you know, maybe like Nikes or something. Yes. But don't put it in your book if you can avoid it. Come up with your own brand or just don't mention the brand. Well, Big, Big River Pack, Blackwater Clan, all of them, you know, they're located in my town. Since I've written these books, I've gotten permission from the businesses, but Moe's, where my characters hang out the shifter bar, it's actually a real bar, bar called Salty Mike's. I got permission later. It's too late now. There's too many books out, but I did get permission to use the name. Um, I talk about a mom and pop grocery store. It's Radikers. I got permission afterwards. It's too late, but I just say a mom and pop grocery store. Savannah's is my favorite little hole in the wall bar. It's actually a restaurant slash bar. Like there's two sides. I call it Havana's in the book. And I have since, by the way, given all these businesses books that, you know, have mentioned it so that they all can see it. But I got permission later from the owner, but it's, I could have used the names because they're small. I don't think Walmart's going to give you permission to use their name. Yeah. You could try. I'm not saying you can't try. And no matter how minimal you think the the brand is, no matter how much you think, you know, it's not going to be a copyright issue. It could be. It could be. If you do not have permission to include a brand or a celebrity name or any of that kind of stuff, do not put it in. If you have questions about whether or not you should use it or how you should use it, whether it's italicized, you can contact Genevieve Scholl or you can Google it. I mean, anything you want to know in the world is on Google now, but you can email Genevieve at, what is it, editoreve17 at gmail.com? Yes, or they can go to my website. It's www.genevieveedits.com. Yeah, and she can answer any, because trust me when I say she, I've, I've had to ask, because I'm like, uh, I want to use this, but I'm not sure how to use this. But you know, I don't know if I should italicize it. That's the thing. Your editor is there for a reason. They're not just there to catch typos. Utilize them as you would, you know, Google. Contact them if you have a question, because in the long run, Fixing it ahead of time is going to save not only your time, but your editor's time and may also uh, catch more than what would happen if you didn't ask. Well, and the thing is, you might not get sued, but you might. There are stories of people getting sued. Do you want to take the risk of all that money? Because you know these companies have lots of lawyers and lots of money. Do you have the money and the time to go to court? Well, and the thing is, if you think about it, is it really that important to mention that the character wears Nikes when you could just say, where's the most on-trend brand or where's, you know, what everybody else is wearing? You know, there's ways to get around using brand names. Yeah. I usually will say like a big box, the big box store, you know, things like that. So that way I can just avoid it altogether. Yeah. Well, and because it, everybody, and, and it, here's the thing, not everybody has the same stores. So if I say a big box store in England, it might be Bob's furniture, you know, I don't know. So if you say big box store, they're going to picture their own big box store in their town. Well, yeah. And then see, so for example, I would, we don't have Costco here. Really? Yeah. I know what Costco is because I've seen people talk about it and I've seen commercials and stuff, but we don't have it here. So if I'm to read somebody going around in Costco in a book, I really am not invested in that. I've actually so, not been in a Costco or an Ikea. I've never been into either of those. Well, I've been in an Ikea because I used to live in North Carolina, but that's actually where my desk came from. Before we go, do you have one last humongous golden nugget of 
advice? I don't know if it's a golden nugget, but I will say this. Uh, You're going to see, especially if you're a first-time author and you're doing research, you're going to see people say to just use said as a dialogue tag. Don't listen to that. Use other dialogue tags. I mean, don't go crazy. But if you keep saying she said and he said and James said and Julie said, and it, it gets very monotonous and very boring. And so you don't, don't have to, to you don't have to use it either every if it's just the two of them talking, throw it in every once in a while so we don't get confused. But yeah, you don't Vaughn said, she said, he said, she said, he should. Yeah. Okay, we get yeah. it. We get it. They're talking to each other. If if it's obvious who is speaking, you don't necessarily need to say it. Um, but don't not say it either. You know, if you yeah. if you question it, put it in and then it can always be taken out. But just but on the on the same token. Don't try to use a different one every single time either. Yes. Because that, yes. that's, yeah, that's there's like nothing, the fool. There's nothing wrong with saying said, but use other ones. Say she replied or he right. replied or asked. Like, you, don't even, you don't even have to say, you know, he did this. You could, you could end the sentence and say, you know, um, he said it as more of a statement than a question and then continue yes. the dialogue. You know, it doesn't, yes. as long as there's something, you don't have to necessarily say said all the time. Yeah, that is, that's a actually very golden nugget because I do get tired of it. I actually read a book one time. It said she wanted to ask him why. So she did. Why? Now, what? That's why did not you necessary. put that? Yeah. Why did you put that? What, were you, you just trying to, <laughs> yeah, were you just trying to like, add some word count in there like yeah sometimes you don't need to add words sometimes you need to subtract words with that one they may have been trying to show instead of tell and i can understand it but it was repetitious so there was better ways to say it you know you could have said you know the urgency of her curiosity or something made her want to ask comma why you know what i mean well and see this i read this book probably 15 years ago 10 years ago and that stuck with me she wanted to ask why, so she did. Why? And I'm like, what? Genevieve, as always, I love having you on. Will you come back again? Of course I will. I'll come back as many times as you want me to. We'll compile a, another list of Ask the Editor, because I'm sure we'll get more questions. Oh, yeah, definitely. I am always here to answer questions. And again, you can find your website at where? www.genevieve, G-E-N-E-V as in Victor, I-E-V-E, edits.com. She's also on Facebook. Yep. And that is not, she is not on TikTok. No. (laughs) Facebook group for the business is just Genevieve A. Scholl Services, book services. All right. We will see y'all next week. I have a new guest coming and you'll just have to wait to see who it is. See y'all next time. Bye.